take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of the Revelation. Certainly love the truth we've heard today. There's deliverance in that. You know, I was, uh, as I've studied through these seven churches, and uh, Brother Milton was talking about them two ditches, I found out those two ditches have one thing in common. They both got a lot of religion. And if you get off track, you'll always take a religious road to get there. Don't look so innocent. We've all got it in us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have been trying to encourage our hearts about the church. And as I've said, I love her. I don't know where I'd be without her. Because without her, I'd have never known him. She told me about him. I'm talking about the Betsy Merlisons, the James Carpenters, Marcel Harrisons. I'm talking about her. Those that you know. And I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about pews and chandeliers and carpets. I'm talking about those that have born, been born of the Spirit with life from above. I'm talking about his bride, his body, and his building. Oh, how I love her. So many saints flood through my mind and so many experiences about her. How precious she is. And often we ought to hug her and let her know how much we appreciate her. Because everything I know about him, she told me. And everything I am spiritually, I got from her. Because he gave it to her. And everything he got from his father, he placed in her. The full inheritance. And has been said this week, we certainly are rich in him. She's got it all. Now why in the world wouldn't you want to stay close to somebody that rich? That can do for you what nobody else can do. Because you can't get those things anywhere else. They come from him and he gave them to her. And don't you run off bypassing her. Don't you throw down on her. Don't you say, I don't care about her and go running off to him like you're going to get something. Because you go asking him, he's going to say, you're going to have to go back to her. I gave it to her. If his love comes, it'll come through her. If his spirit comes, it'll come through her. If his peace comes, it'll come through her. 
If his joy comes, it'll come through her. Yes. Did I tell you? I love her. I love her. Did you hear her preach just a while ago? I love her. Did you hear her sing? I love her. Did you hear her pray? I love her. I really do. I love her. I love her. But I love him. That's right. Because bottom line, if it hadn't been for him, there wouldn't have been no her. He's all about her. Yes. So she ought to be all about him. That's right. Amen. When she comes together, there's only one in the middle, and that's him. Yeah. And I want to say to you preachers, the key to staying out of trouble is don't get in the middle. That's his place. That's right. Anything that's going to take him out of the middle, you need to leave it alone. Yes. He needs to be in the midst. I love him, don't you? And I'm glad that he loves her. But I want to take a step further this morning, and I want to preach for a few moments on the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Now, I like to go to church. I do. But I don't like to play church. Got a preacher friend up in the mountains. He said when he was a kid, he always favorite thing to do was play church. And he said uh, when they had the family reunion was his most favorite time because he'd get all them kids and cousins down there and he'd preach to them. And he said we had a pretty deep creek behind the barn. Said I baptized them all. <laughs> said I love playing church. He said, finally, my grandmother raised me and said, she's just an old-timey saint. And she said, now, Billy, if you baptize them kids anymore, I'm going to whoop you. He said, that's sacrilegious. You don't need to be baptized. <laughs> he said, sure enough, here come the next homecoming. He said, I preached to them, and I couldn't withstand the temptation. He said, I baptized every one of them. <laughs> and he said, true to her word, she whooped me. Made me think about how often God probably wants to whip us for playing church when it ain't real. I like to go to church where there's hurt, the redeemed, the blood ball. I like to go to church where there's Him, the one who redeems. And I like to go to church where there's the Holy Ghost. Or the Spirit of God. And I want to say to you, all that God makes, no matter what it is, the Holy Ghost mothers it, maintains it, and ministers to it. That's the job 
of the Spirit. Let me read uh, three or four verses in John's Gospel, then we'll come to our text in Revelation. John chapter 14, verse number 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. That's the Greek word paraclete, or one called alongside. Somebody to be with you. That he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. This world didn't know Jesus when he was here, and it doesn't know his spirit. (laughs) But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, the one called alongside, which is the Holy Ghost. That sounds spooky, don't it? One preacher said that's simply the returned spirit of a dead man. And of course that is Jesus. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. They didn't understand a thing Jesus said until the Holy Ghost cleared it up. And you won't either. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of who? Of me. Chapter 16 and verse number 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he is come, He will reprove the world of sin. Which means if he's not there, that can't be done. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I'm thinking about The Holy Ghost. I love her. I love him. And I love the Holy Ghost. Because he is a part of the Trinity. Somebody said he's the third part. No, he ain't. These three are one. It's not God the Father one, God the uh, Son two, and God the Holy Ghost three. These three are one. These three are one. He is a person who can be quenched and can be grieved. And he is the one that is to mother and minister 
and maintain the church. Now let's look in these verses and pick up on the Spirit of God in relationship to these seven churches. And of course we're talking about the church in the first century, but we're also talking about the church in the 21st century. Look, if you will, in verse number 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven, capital S, spirits which are before his throne. Look down in verse number 10. John said, I was in the, capital S, spirit on the Lord's day. Did you know that a child of God's the only person in this world that can be in two places at one time? The Bible said he was on the Isle of Patmos, but he was also in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then I want you to look in chapter number Two, and I want us to notice what he says to each one of these churches. He reminds them of the Spirit. Chapter 2 and verse number 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the capital S, Spirit, saith unto the churches. It says the same thing to all of them. Verse number 11. To the church at Smyrna, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He says it to Pergamos. Verse number 17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, he's not talking about a physical ear. He's talking about a spiritual ear of the heart. And then he says in verse number 29, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He says to Sardis, this must be, this must be important. But he says it to all of them, He that hath an ear, let him hear, in verse 6, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 13, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Talking about Philadelphia. And then Laodicea in verse number 22, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Where would you and I be if it were not for His Spirit? There are three things that I want to simply say to you this morning about the Holy Ghost. Did I say to you, I love her, I love him, and I love the Holy Ghost. The first thing that is indicated in verse number 4, if you will, I notice that the Holy Spirit must be the VIP of the church. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad to be here myself today. But I tell you, the most important one that is here when she gets together is the Holy Ghost. He is the VIP of the church. Look at what it says in the latter clause of verse number four. 
Uh, the Bible said, and from the seven spirits. The seven spirits. Now we understand from Ephesians chapter number 4 that there is one spirit. But we also notice in the word of God that that spirit, the spirit of God is manifested in a manifold way. The Holy Ghost is multifaceted. You talk about being ambidextrous, being able to use the left and the right hand. Well, I tell you, the Holy Ghost supersedes all of that. He can do more than what you can do with both hands in just a second's time. Because this word seven here speaks of the complete ministry of the Spirit of God. Uh, The Holy Ghost uh, is brought into our midst to meet every need and all of our needs. And there is not a need that she will have. Listen to me. There is not a need that she will have that he won't be able to meet. Because he has been sent to minister and maintain her in a manifold way. He, I say to you, the Bible said there is one spirit, but he manifests himself because the scripture talks about the spirit of truth, does it not? It talks about the spirit of love, does it not? It talks about the spirit of life. He is called the spirit of promise and he's called the spirit of of glory. Hallelujah for the Holy Ghost. Because I don't know what your needs are here this morning. They're beyond my comprehension. I don't even know many times what my own need is. But the Holy Ghost knows where you're at and what you're going through. And He knows what you need. And therefore He is able to minister to any and all needs. Hallelujah. Any. Did you hear me? any and all needs that she may have because he has a complete ministry. But not only does he have a complete ministry, he has a connecting ministry. She needs somebody that can take care of her. She needs somebody that can completely take care of And he said, I'm sending you my spirit in a sevenfold way that can take care of everything. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to tell you if we as preachers could grasp that. That the Holy Spirit is here to take care of her. Would you take your hands off and let Him take care of her? Uh, yeah, that's what He's here for. It is the complete ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad I'm not dependent upon you and you're not dependent upon me. The multifaceted workings of the Holy Ghost to meet all of our needs. (laughs) You know, we're living in an age where we specialize the church. We want to specialize. And in doing so, we divide it up. That's why folks nowadays always want to know what you got from a young people. Or what do you got for old folks? What do you got for young married couples? What do you got for singles? We want to specialize the church. (laughs) God's got the Holy Ghost to meet it all. 
To mean it all. And honey, in the Holy Spirit, He's able to cross all of those boundaries and all of those distinctions and everything and bring them together and meet them all at the same time. There was, and I'm glad to see all these young folks here, just a horde of them. We're trying to push them off and categorize them as if he can't meet her need. She's got to have something special. I noticed when the Lord told Noah, now don't let this offend you. I'm not being, he, when he told him to build an ark, he didn't call for a junior ark. He's got an ark. Why in the world he won't send them young folks over there into some kind of department and compartment when the Holy Ghost may want to move on the man of God? And they ain't going to be nowhere around. They need to be where she's at. Get where she's at because where she's at is where he's at. Well, I'm afraid they might disturb the service. They might cry. If the man of God's worth is salt. Wait and salt. He can preach over a few wails and cries. I want to say to you, honey, he's able to meet your need and your need and your need and your need. And they ain't even to him. There is no difference between man and woman, male and female, young and old. We're all the same when the Holy Ghost moves. He brings us into one. No doubt. There was probably 60 years, as much as 60 years between David and Samuel in age. But they wasn't 60 seconds in spirit. That's right. I got saved in that little old storefront church when I went to that church, 14 years old. I thought you were supposed to be dignified and refined. I didn't know anything about church. I thought that's where people went, that were dignified and refined. Of course, I've been raised in beer joints. And uh, they just hurrahed all the time and fought and, and drank and whatever. I didn't think church folks, you know, got above a whisper. But I'll tell you, on that one morning, she got happy. I didn't know she got happy. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I, of course, religion won't let you get happy. But, honey, in Christ, every now and then, she'll get happy. I said she'll get happy. I love her. I'll never forget Miss Gray coming up, skirting her. And she still had the ball on top of her head. And she just is skipping around the front. Eighty-some years old. I looked at her, I turned around, I said, is that legal? <laughs> they said, yeah, if it's in the Holy Ghost. I said, I won't be some of it. Now, honey, I was 14, and she's 84. 70 years difference in body, but not seven seconds in spirit. That's why he's a VIP of the church. He brings it all. Whoever it is, he brings it 
matters at all. But I want you to notice where the Spirit is. In verse number 4, it said, The seven spirits which are before his throne. Well, that means in heaven. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. But if you'll notice in verse number 10, he's also on earth. And of course, in reference to all seven of these churches, he's speaking to a physical, local church on earth. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost transcends time and space and matter? Nucleus and all that other stuff? The Holy Ghost can be there and here at the same time. And what's so great about that is he's the connecting minister of the church also in that he's able to be with us and him at the same time. I need somebody down here with me in my infirmities. But I also need somebody up there for me in my intercession. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. That's down here. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. That's up there. I'm glad he's standing in for us. He's there and here at the same time. He's down here as your comforter, your paraclete. He's coming alongside of you. You know what he's doing down here? He's down here with you telling you about him. That's all he ever talks about. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. I can see him from here. And he can He'll tell you all about him because he knows all about him. And he'll spend all that time. Just think about that connection where there's somebody that knows all about him that will tell it to you. He said it's okay. He's on the throne. It's okay. He knows what's going on. It's okay. And then he'll tell you it's okay. He's a coming back. He's a coming back. He's a coming back. And no matter where you are, honey, it'll well up in you. And you'll say, it's okay. And you say, well, how do you know it's okay? He just told me it was. He's down here with you telling you about him. Because he knows all about him. But, honey, at the same time, he's up there with him. Telling him all about you because he knows all about you. The workings of the Holy Ghost. He knows me and he knows him. And he's talking to both of us at the same time. He's a VIP. Yes. 
Just think of who he is and where he is and what he does. And you'll know that he's the most distinguished person here today. Because he's been talking about me to him. Even before I got up to preach, I said, Lord, I sort of feel weak in myself. He said, well, I'll tell you. And at the same time, he said, you, he said you'd be okay. said, all right, I'll tell him. Oh, yeah. He said, he told me to tell you it's okay. <laughs> He's doing the communicating. He's doing the connecting work. Where would you be? You couldn't even worship unless he connected you to the throne of worship. He takes you out of the realm of time and of space. In the Holy Ghost, you're able to step into eternity. Hallelujah. I think this is my one. I often say I don't believe in social drinking, so... Holy Spirit is the VIP. Did I tell you? I love her. I love him. Oh, I love the Holy Ghost. Without her, I'd have never known him. Without him, there wouldn't have been no her. Without the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't have known either one of them. The Holy Spirit is the VIP of the church. I notice at the end of... uh, each of these letters that Jesus sent to these churches, he talked about overcoming. Overcoming. He said uh, in verse number 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. He does the same thing in verse number 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches, to him that overcometh. He says the same thing in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh. So I suggest to you that the Holy Spirit is not only the VIP of the church, 
But the Holy Spirit is the only means of victory when it comes to the church. If there's going to be any progress spiritually, it's going to have to come through the Spirit of God. And the thing that seemed to step out at me is he talks about overcoming, but preceding the overcoming is you're going to have to hear what the Spirit says. And children, as the church of the living God, as the bride, the body, and the building, if anything's going to be accomplished for God, for the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to have to be a hearing and heeding to what the Spirit says to our hearts. This is true, this is true throughout the Bible. Samson's victory came when the Spirit rested upon him. Ever a saint, if there's any measure of victory, it comes when the Spirit rests upon him. But the Spirit doesn't rest on that that doesn't listen and doesn't heed what he says. And it is here in this text he said you need to listen to what the Holy Ghost has to say. I like what Zechariah 4, 6 said, Not by might nor by power, but by my what? Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We are left to ourselves incapable of doing anything without the Holy Spirit. And this is involved in our text, and I emphasize this because that's what he is saying to every one of those churches. You're going to have to hear and you're going to have to heed what I say to you. In other words, he's talking about the language of the Spirit. Now, not everybody can hear what the Spirit has to say. We read in John's Gospel where the, Jesus said, The world cannot receive the Spirit. It knoweth him not. And not everybody, not every. A matter of fact, let me say it this way. And I've said this uh, to exclusion in all of these matters as far as she is concerned and he is concerned. And I say it as far as the Holy Ghost is concerned. The Spirit of God don't speak to anybody but her. Are you hearing me? And if he's got anything to say to anybody else, he'll say it through her. Every single time. Every single time. And the Spirit of God is speaking to her. But here's the flip side of that. She's the only one that can understand his language. As it is in creation, and God put it out there, so it is in salvation. There are certain animals that can hear frequencies far greater than we can. as far as highness is concerned. And there are those uh, that can hear frequencies much lower than we can, as far as the depths of the frequency. You can't hear all that a dog can hear. And a dog can't hear all that a dolphin can hear. And a dog nor a dolphin can hear all that an elephant can hear. Because they have been given the innate nature of being able to hear certain pitches and certain frequencies and certain 
decimals. But I want to say to you, the human ear can never hear what the Holy Ghost has to say. There has to be within us, and thank God the Holy Ghost puts within us, that that can pick up upon the voice of the Spirit of God. I've got a receptor on the inside. And when I go to church, I'm not going just to hear with these ears. I'm hoping what these ears hear, the Spirit of God will also hear. And there's a lot that can be said, but listen to me. The Spirit speaks only to the church, to the bride, the body, and the building, and she's got no business to listen to anybody else but her. I confess that I am human, and the thing that bothers me the most is when I think about standing before the Lord and find out how much of my preaching was me. So I'm not expecting you to pick up on all of that. It won't do you no good anyway. You can probably understand most of that with just the natural ear. That might be one of the tests to it. But honey, when the Holy Ghost says something to you, it takes more than a physical ear. And what I'm begging the Holy Ghost every time I preach is, Oh, Holy Spirit, somehow, may you say at least a word or two through me that somebody can pick up on that it can help because they have the receptor of the Spirit of God within them. I'm glad, I'm glad that I can receive the Word of God because it's the sword of the Spirit. And when the Spirit speaks that Word to my heart, my heart receives it and my heart hears it. Thank God my heart says amen to it because it is the Spirit that speaks alone to her. Hearing, hearing. A couple of illustrations on that and I'll move on. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the VIP of the church. The Holy Ghost is the victory of the church. And the key to victory, the key of the, the progress of the church, the key of the movement of the church is not our plans and our programs and our ideas, but it's what the Holy Ghost says. That's right. I was riding along one day with a preacher and he said, Brother Danny, here's what I have planned for next year or the years to come from my church. And all he said was good about what he wanted to do as far as the church is concerned, but I didn't say anything because it wasn't my business. And finally he said uh, in an abrupt way, well, you didn't say anything. I said, well, I don't have anything to say. He said, well, what do you think about all my plans? I said, well, did the Holy Ghost tell you to do it? He said, well, I can't just sit around and do nothing. I said, well, you'll be better off. Uh, Honey, you start your plans and programs and how long they last, when you get at the end of them, you're going to look back and say, man, didn't I waste my time? You don't need to get involved in anything the Holy Ghost hadn't put His approval on. Don't jump on every bandwagon coming through. You need to listen to the Spirit of God. That'll keep you out of religion. That'll keep you out of religion. There's so much that all us preachers can say up here, but probably very little of it is spirit. 
I mean, that's just the nature of the thing. We're human. <laughs> We're getting up here trying not to fail and strike out at our best. <laughs> huh? That's me, honey. There's a whole lot of me here. Don't listen to all of me. Listen to the Holy Ghost. And hopefully you'll say something that'll help you. But I've noticed down through the years that all these churches, some kind of a big thing will start in one church, and then all the other churches get on the bandwagon, and they got to do it too. And I want to ask them, well, why are you doing it? Well, they're doing it. That's a bad reason to do it. Did the Holy Ghost? I like to get to some folks every now and then doing something that the Holy Ghost put His hand on. By the way, for us preachers, but that have a tendency to manipulate our services, though it's not outward, we're all guilty. Because we want a good service. And I don't blame you. I do too. And we, we sort of... I often tell young preachers what I say to myself. Any service, any service, if it ends up in worship, is a birth experience. Holy Ghost will birth something in that service. And all your job is is look for the bait. Don't get up there and go through the formalities and sing because you're supposed to sing and right. preach because you're supposed right. to preach and, right. and uh, do all the... No, honey, right. somewhere in there he might birth a baby. Yeah. If he does, run to the baby. Yeah. Go where the life is. Yeah. Feel the heartbeat. Yeah. Let it breathe. Yeah. That's the Holy Ghost. Preachers ought to come to our churches every day, every time, and say, Lord, I, I, help me not to do anything but wait on the baby. You say, well, what if there ain't no baby? Then don't do nothing. That's right. <laughs> Listening to the Spirit. Of course, we got enough toys for us, baby. You can go down to Walmart and buy all you want. But there ain't no life in them. You can rock them. You can talk to them. But honey, wherever you lay them, that's where they're going to lay. They can't walk and talk. That's the same thing as far as uh, religion is concerned. But oh, when the Holy Ghost goes to speaking. The Bible said, And God created the heaven and the earth, and the Spirit of God moved. And honey, when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, business picked up. But you don't want no moving unless the Spirit does the moving. Listening to the language of the Spirit. I'll say this and go to my last thought. I was... Uh, my wife and myself, we went up into the New England states. Now, they're all foreigners up there. You can tell by their language. They can't talk English. They didn't understand us. We didn't understand them. There's too many syllables in what we say. 
We couldn't even order a hamburger. Somebody would like to have a hamburger. Excuse me. Hamburger, sir. Hamburger. <laughs> nothing, nothing. We couldn't talk to anybody. But I got to noticing that there was one word that no matter who it was, when they looked at each other, they all said it. And it was Hawaii. And I said, well, why are they over in Maine and Massachusetts talking about Hawaii? I couldn't figure it out. And then finally it dawned on me, they're saying, how are you? And man, when I figured that out, I mean, it was like a revelation. I looked at my wife, I said, finally, finally, I know one word. I know one word. She said, well, I said, it's Hawaii. She said, what's that mean? I said, how are you? I said, i got to try it. She said, please don't. I said, oh, yeah. And I was just catching the whoever's eye. And a, and, a, and a refined gentleman was walking. And I caught his eye. And he looked at me and I said, Hawaii. He said, fine, fine. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you I'm glad that when I'm with her and I'm with him and I'm with the Holy Ghost, I ain't Hawaii. Hallelujah. I understand what it's talking about. When the saint, when she stands up and testifies, I understand. When he stands up and preaches, I understand. When they stand up and sing, I understand. I've got the receptor of the Holy Ghost. He's the VIP of the church. Where would she be without him? He's the victory of the church. You listen to him, there'll be some overcoming. Look in chapter number three and uh, verse number 15. Let's look down to verse number uh, well, we'll start in verse 15. And I want to close out with this. And it is, he, he is the, the perception. He is the vision of the church. I'm interested in this symbol of the Holy Ghost that is found in verse 18 that we'll notice where he talks about anointing the eyes with eyesight. There are a lot of symbolisms of the Spirit of God in the Bible. Uh, John the Baptist saw that dove come down as the Spirit speaks of its purity. Uh, Jesus said, where the wind bloweth, uh, you can hear the sound thereof, can't tell from whence it comes, where, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Uh, it speaks of the, uh, the very uh, power of the Holy Ghost. But as here we notice that the Holy Spirit is represented as ISAB, ointment, oil, found throughout the Word of God, whether it was the, high, the priests who were being anointed or whether it was the instruments or the furniture being anointed in the, 
in the t- set apart and sanctified by God, or David having oil, pa- or or as it talks about Aaron the high priest when the oil came down and unified uh, his body. It speaks of the Spirit of the Lord as far as its performance is concerned. It takes the Holy Ghost to let everything run just like it ought to run. Now, that's true in every facet of life. If you've got a car here and you change the oil in it and drain it and forget to put oil back in it, you, 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 the motor's gone. When you try to start, it's over. It's the same with the human body with all these joints. When you feel these special pains in your hips, it's telling you the lubrication's leaving out. You're getting dry sockets, so to speak. Brothers and sisters, don't we know that in the church? That without the Holy Ghost, there, there can be no, no sad, no lubrication. Uh, nothing is going to work as it works. Now let's look in verse 17 and verse number 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Wow. Sounds like the church in this hour, doesn't it? And knowest not that thou... And I'm going to tell you how you can know that. I'll tell you how you can know that. Is when you go back to your churches and on Sunday night and Wednesday night, there ain't nobody there. It's because they don't need nothing. If you know you need what you really need, you're going to go where you can find it. And that's, she's the only one that can give it to you. I'm going to go where it's at. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and what? Blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold and in the fire, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesab that thou mayest see. It's very important that she's able to see. And I'm going to tell you, if we're going to see, we need to see what the Spirit sees. Not what CBS and CNN and Fox News. They all got a measure of untruth in them. More of that than truth. And no spirit at all. So you don't need to be listening to them too closely. You don't need to be seeing what they see. But we need to see what the Spirit sees. And then we need to see what what we're seeing. To see that it ain't supposed to be what we should be seeing. And we need to see that what you saw is not like what you thought you saw. It ain't reality. It ain't reality. I want to see things as they're supposed to be, don't you? That's right. And the only way to do that is to have the ointment and the eye sad. <laughs> and then there are a world of difference as to how you saw things instantaneously after you got saved as before you got saved. That's right. You saw things like they really were that you'd been seeing that was not like they really were. You thought they were good and you, man, you were just all so, but you didn't see it like you're supposed to see it. Then you turned around and saw things like you'd never seen them before because you saw them through the eyes of the Holy Ghost. That's right. 
I wasn't seeing nothing right. I hadn't been given eyes to see anything right. I was raised in an environment of darkness. All I saw was evil. But when Jesus saved me, thank God, He gave me some eyes, Sam, and I've been seeing things different. Now there's two, two things that He showed her, the church. I notice in verse 17 and verse 18, verse 17 especially, He showed her what, what money can buy. Did you notice all of those things that are listed are, are things that money can buy, rich, increased with goods, uh, raiment, all of those other things. He showed her what things money can buy. And money can buy a lot of stuff. I don't know that a man's ever been hurt spiritually by being poor. Ever. But they've been a lot hurt by being rich. And the church in this hour is rich. Is rich. You know, we hear a lot of talk about revival. Everywhere, everywhere I go, they, they, the first thing they say, yeah, well, I hope we have revival this week. And I don't want to hurt the feelings by saying, well, we probably won't. I've preached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of revivals, and I had one in all those, so I'm sort of doubting it, but you're putting pressure on me. <laughs> and the second thing is that I want to say to him is, I don't think you want revival. That would really make him mad. Now, we'd like to have a cheap revival. Everybody likes cheap revival. Something that costs God that don't cost you nothing. Honey, if the Holy Ghost gives you a revival, it's going to cost something. Something beyond what you could imagine. My wife and myself was going through the book of Acts, and and I'm going to tell you, I got to reading over in chapter number 2 that that great uh, move of the Holy Ghost, Pentecost. And I had to confess to the Lord As I looked at that, if you want to call that the standard of revival, I said to the Lord, I don't think I want that right now. You say, well, preacher, I can't believe you'd say that. Well, how about you? Did you know that when God moved on the day of Pentecost, that James got his head cut off? And all the saints were scattered abroad. And here's the big one. Here's the big one. I wish I had an offering plate. Here's the big one. Everybody sold everything they had and gave it. You won't have revival? Go get the offering plate. You're not ready for that, I can tell. Nor am I, because only God can bring you to that point. And only the Holy Ghost. Which tells me there's going to come a blessed day when he's going to send an expensive revival. 
Not a cheap one. An expensive revival. But get ready, because you're going to have to pay up. The saints are going to have to pay up. But notice, notice, he ta- he ta- he t- he, he's uh, telling her everything that money can buy. And then in verse number 18, he comes back and tells her about everything money can't buy. He said, now what you need to see is, is what money's bought. What you're looking at is what money's bought. But I want to show you what money can't buy. I'm glad the Holy Ghost can reveal to us some things that money can't buy. And that's what she needs. She don't need what money can buy. It's what money can't buy. Heard of an old farmer where they sold the land across the road and built a housing development over there. Some very expensive homes. The one just right across from him, once they got it built, the folks were moving in. And when they moved in, I mean, it took them two or three weeks to move in. They had everything that's ever been invented modernly, and they moved it in. And, I mean, they had the boats and they had the motorcycles and they had the sports cars. They had it all. They just kept moving it in. He just sat over on the porch uh, watching them move in. And after they got moved in, he just waddled his way over there in his bibbed overhauls. And he said, sir, I live across the road. I want to welcome you to the community. And said, but what I want to tell you is, is if you ever need anything, <laughs> I don't care what it is, if you ever need anything, if you'll come on over to my place, I'll show you how to live without it. Hallelujah. (laughs) The VIP of the church, the victory of the church, and he's the vision of the church. Ironically, I had a blind man in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, many years ago. He's been deceased in heaven for many years. He'd write poems, and he wrote this poem and gave it to me and told me I could use it. And it's a poem on what money can't buy. I like it. He said, We're not redeemed with silver or gold, with corruptible things in the Bible, we're told. But Jesus, our Lord, on Calvary did die, and his blood purchased things that money can't buy. Aren't you glad? Money can't buy the peace that I feel. Money can't buy the salvation that's real. Contentment on earth and a home in the sky. They are wonderful things that money can't buy. True happiness and a faith that is strong, victory over sin and everything that's wrong. You can't purchase these. There's no need to try. But Jesus gives things that money can't buy. He said to her, you need to be looking at some things that you can't get in this world. That only the Holy Ghost can show you. Let me close by saying this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Don't you like it? When the Spirit of the Lord is there. 
I sense Brother Milton when he was preaching had liberty. The choir when he was singing had liberty. But where the Holy Ghost is, we also know from Ephesians 4, there is unity. There's unity. As I said, he brings it all together. But I want to go to my text for a a final thought in relationship to the Holy Ghost. And I want to say that where the Holy Spirit is, there is bounty. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, I noticed found nestled in these seven churches, we find the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit, and some of them are found in the church. And can I say to you, that's something, again, money can't buy. You can't buy the fruit of the Spirit because it is the fruit of the Spirit, and it's awful important that the Holy Ghost be in the workings of the bride because He's the only one that can produce the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. I found it here in verse number 4 of chapter 1 where John said to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace be unto you and what? Peace. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And then I noticed in chapter number 2 and verse number 19, I know thy works and thy charity and thy service and thy faith. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And also I noticed that he mentions the word charity, which is the word love, but he uses the word love four times in writing to the church. He speaks of this matter of a fruit that is called love. What I want to say to you is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the bounty of the fruit of the Spirit. So what's so important about understanding who she is? I'm closing out with her, and him, and the Holy Ghost. What's so important of recognizing and appreciating who she is is that it is through her he produces his fruit. If you see joy, if you witness joy, you're going to witness it in in somebody's body that he's working through that's a part of the bride and the body and the building of Christ. If you see peace, you're going to see it in her because that's where he produces it. If you see love, it's got to come through her because that's where he produces it. The fruit of the Spirit. He produces it in her. So if you want these vital, important things, you don't need to be going to this world to find it. You need to hang around her. Because inevitably, almost every single service that I'm in, I get to pick fruit. Because it's produced out of her. You won't find this on the job. You won't find this, uh, I tell you, in some kind of a organization or institution. She's the only one who has it. That's right. If you're going to get apples, you'll have to go to the apple orchard. That's where they come from. 
Orange from the orange orchard. That's where it come from. Grapes from the grapevines. That's where it come from. And honey, if you get the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have to go where the Spirit is, and that's in her. And what I do, and don't you do the same thing, you go to a service, and in your heart, man, you're so hungry for some fruit. And all of a sudden, you'll see some of it. When the Holy Ghost gets to squeezing somebody's heart, there's one of them fruits that's going to just pop out. And if you can see through the eye of the Spirit, you'll see it. Somebody will stand up and they got joy, man. I mean, you can see it's real joy. First thing I do is I run over there and oh, so get me some of that. Huh? And then somebody's been through some tribulation. They'll stand up and get to testify, and I can see the peace of God on them. And I'll say, oh, wait just a minute before you leave. I want to get me some of that. Huh? And these fruits will be produced in her and through her, and you'll get the opportunity, I'm going to tell you, to get you some fruit. I'll get you a fruit basket. You get your own fruit basket. Now, I know that all nine fruits are for all of us, but I think you'll agree with me. It just seems like some people produce more of one than the other. It's kind of like a gift. If you get around them, you can sense, I'm going to tell you, the very love of God just in a fresh way. I mean, these saints that I just know when I get around them, I'm going to get a certain kind type of fruit. I can just sense it. I can smell it. I know it's there. Hallelujah. And I get my, I get my fruit while I'm there. I do that when I go to these other, these churches. I go to Brother Leonard's. I go up there and I get me some of that fruit. And the thing about it is this fruit don't spoil and it don't rot. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That means if you pick it when you're nine, you can eat it when you're 90. If you pick it when you're eight, you can eat it when you're 80. And honey, I picked some fruit from the day I got saved at 14 years old that I'm still eating right now. I still got my basket. And we'll be eating on it when we get to glory. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Old Dick Limble, coal miner, it's all of his working days, mountains of West Virginia got saved. And uh, first time I heard him, he'd come to Ohio, where I'd gotten saved in a little old storefront church. He said, Preacher Dick Limble is coming to preach. I was sitting on the front row. He cut loose to preaching. He is a hiker. I never heard any hiking. I said, you never. That's her on. That's I can say it. I swear on the word of the Lord. John there's on that Isle of Patmos. And he looked up and he saw that new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven. And brother, I'm going to tell you, he preached heaven down out of hiking. Always when he got up, he'd just go to talking. He might talk 15 minutes. He said, now don't let this make you nervous. He said, I'm waiting on the Spirit. 
And he'd look all over the building. But honey, you could tell when the Holy Ghost plugged in. And the little old beady eyes would go to the center of the ceiling. And he'd never look down again. And honey, he preached some stuff out of the Spirit to me in that day that I preach out of now. Once that gets in you, honey, you can partake of it. Matter of fact, there are times when I'm up preaching that I think I am some of them preachers. It's just a coming through. Here he comes, honey. And when he comes, I let him go. I mean, I got some fruit out of these fellas. And it's a living on. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for the bounty of the fruit that's in her? The kind I like. The kind I like. Did I tell you I love her? You'll be riding down the road. Out of nowhere, you'll catch the scent. Fruit that you picked 15 years ago. Yes, sir. You'll turn to your wife or your son. I sometimes have to pick up the phone because somebody was there. Say, you remember the being there that night? You remember that when the Holy Ghost? You remember what happened? Hallelujah. That's right. Amen. Me and my son Stephen left here. And my wife Esther, she said, I've got to get a copy of that of that uh, that that message that Brother Milton preached. And I'm going to tell you, uh, we, we went to eat, but we was eating something else besides food, honey. We sat there, mm, mm, mm. and it ain't going to spoil. It ain't going to spoil, honey. You'll be able to eat on it from here to eternity. And you'll get the strength out of it you need. I'm glad for the Holy Ghost. sitting in the service and sitting in my own business. Oh. You smell that? You see that? And what you'll do is you'll just reach over. you got to take a bite first. I don't never wait until I get home. As soon as it comes out, I want a bite. Then I'll put some in my basket. First church I pastor, and I close this up a little old creek in North Carolina called Roaring Creek. Forty, fifty people. They're so far back up in there, and you can go there today, and it's still that way. Basically, they—I don't even think they knew who Billy Graham was, but they knew who a Jesus was. And get up in the morning, go out with them when they worked in those fields and mowed those hills and buried their babies and buried their. I was 22 years old. I knew it all. And most of them were saints, gray-headed saints that had walked with the Lord for many, many, many years. And I was up for preaching on faith. (laughs) And the Holy Ghost showed up. He said, you shut up. Pretty obvious I didn't know much about it. He said, if you shut up and watch these saints, I'll teach you more about faith 
if you'll ever read my book. And I said, Holy Ghost, I will do that. And for four and a half years, I watched him. And I preach out of it. I preach out of the well of that spirit every time I preach. I reach back and get some fruit. And oftentimes a preacher will preach. And a lot of folks condemn this. But it ain't no more than fruit picking. Preacher will preach and will say, man, I'd like to preach that. And you will. But you see, once you pick it, it's yours. Oh, yeah. I had a fellow telling me here a while back, he said, Now, preacher, you said, there's some things you need to keep to yourself. You don't want all preachers to be able to preach that. I said, oh, no, no, I'm producing fruit. If they can eat it, they can preach it. Everything I preach, I picked. Huh? Everything I preach, I picked. Don't feel bad, preachers. You hear something, and it's fruit. It's got the Holy Ghost on it. Go share it with somebody else. Don't eat it all yourself. That's right. That's a good thing about fruits when you can take it to somebody else. And you realize that they can, I mean, they, they wasn't in there, but they're still enjoying the fruit. Woo! I come to this meeting of fruit picking. Because I know she's got it. And she's the only one that's got it. And the Holy Ghost are producing. And I'm taking some home. Put some in my basket. Amen. And you may hear me preach somewhere on the internet or somewhere and say, Well, you know, I heard somebody else say that. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you ever get a good piece of I'm trying to quit. Did you ever get a good piece of pie? You ever get a good piece of pie at homecoming? You don't. You get a real good piece of pie. You don't just come down and sit down and eat your own. You look at your wife or something. Man, you need to get a piece of that. You need to get a piece of that. And honey, when I go preaching, if I got a piece of something, I'm going to take it. It's mine. I picked it. Didn't belong to you know how. Holy Ghost produced it. That's what singing's all about. You're singing somebody else's fruit. Well, go ahead and sing it. It's yours now. You ever hear somebody say something, you go tell it. And, and the only difference between whether it happened to you or not is you have to tell them, now this wasn't me, this was somebody else. That's right. But that fruit has come so real to you that it just, that's the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's old Dick Limble still coming out of it. I'm not saying you, neighbor. And even saying that, honey, makes me feel good. It's like he's here all over again. And he is in the spirit. 
Amen. Amen. I love him. Yes. And I love 